It's time for the Suffering Podcast. Be prepared to play the long game in life. Look at the sustainability of your decisions to see if they will be wise in your future. Don't let the recklessness of youth determine how you live your adult life. These words are easier said than done. The invincibility of youth may lead us down a path where we believe there is no way out, trapping us in a nightmare from which we cannot wake. Change is possible if you're willing to accept a couple hard truths through different eyes and life experiences that there is hope if we believe. Believe that now is not forever. Where you start doesn't have to be where you finish. Time can educate and anger can become love. Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome back Benny Love to discuss the suffering of love. The Benny Love. The Benny Love. Go, uh, Godspeed, Benny Love. Benny Love Realty. Benny Love every, Hoboken Royalty, pretty much. Thank you. Well, Benny, Benny's, And sitting alongside more Hoboken Royalty. That's Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Show to Rich Sanchez. Promote it. Look at that. Look at that piece. Look at that rock. God, you're like a Kardashian with that thing. <laughs> I hope you punch righty because you're you with that on your left hand. You're going to hurt someone. You're going to put backwards Hall of Fame right on her forehead. <laughs> Benny's here to spread the love, but it wasn't always that way for him. Before we start, Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody, but we do trust Toyota of Hackensack. So if you're looking for a car, go to toyotahackensack.com. Let them find you a car. Now, Benny, uh, we ever since the last time you were in here when Butch did his episode, we wanted to have you back because we. I've heard a lot about you. Okay, you're you are Hoboken royalty. I think all we need in here is Nikki Burke, and we've got the who's who in Hoboken. <laughs> the who's who of Hoboken. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I started taking classes on how to speak Hobokenese, just because we have so many Hoboken people in here. But well, the department dropped us off the dictionary of Hoboken. Yes, Compy, yes, right? Compy. Compy. Yeah. <laughs> but we've we, I've heard about you for a long time now, and when you're in here. I know there's more to your story. We spoke a little bit, and I'm so glad that you came in. He gave us snippets of his story last time he was here. You know, now we now we want to get down to the bottom of it. A little different demeanor in here. Last time you were in here, you were very serious. I don't know whether it was the lights and the cameras doing it to you, but I see you walk in here tonight. You you got the love face on. I didn't know I was coming into it last time. Uh, I like you guys. <laughs> Thank God. That's why I came back. As usual, you were in here last time with Butch, and we take a we take a question from our audience every week, and this one comes from Samantha One Two Seven. Says, "Has your old personality ever crept in? And if it has, how did you squash it?" Samantha. Samantha. Every day. Every day, your old personality creeps in. Every day. I suppress it every day. This new man that I am is me being polished and reinventing myself every day. So the old me is my core me. So, Give me an example of the old you. Like, let's say I just look at you sideways. I'll nod at you first. Okay. Nod. I'll give you the opportunity. Well, let's, let's do a little role playing here. <laughs> it's like, what's up? What's up? <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> Nothing. Now you're throwing down. See, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> this makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's got something in your eyes now. We call that a Cooney moment here. <laughs> no, but you're just a nice, you're, you're such a nice guy. I don't know if you have any bad personality traits that creep in from time to time. Cause it seems like from what I've heard and what I know about you, you've always been this nice guy, but is there any, any type of your, anything in your personality that, when you were younger that you didn't like that you had to change? I think I was kind of like a bully in school and 
you know, years thinking about that now is something that I'm I, I'm not proud of. Mm. But me and my brothers, all we did was fight mm. since a young age. So going to school, I used to punch everybody because that's all we know how to do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not happy about that. I'm not proud of that. Now, anybody you bullied in school, did you ever approach them as an adult? I, I want, I'm looking for a guy, Capiche Patel, that I want to apologize to, but <laughs> I can't track him down. So— Capiche Patel. Capiche. That, that's Capiche. That's Capiche. Italian. Yeah, he's an Italian Indian. Capiche Patel. If I could see him, I really, I really would like to apologize to him sincerely because I made that kid's life hell. I'm going to give you a, a window into what that's going to be like because I had it happen. In seventh, or eight, seventh grade, I bullied the hell out of this kid, a Puerto Rican kid named Jesus Aponte. He was the only Puerto Rican in the school at the time. And he was a nice kid, but he was different. He was heavier, and he was just different. And I had a lot of crap going on at home, so I took it out on this kid. <laughs> 30 years. He left school, right? And I, 30 years I looked for this guy because I felt bad. I, re, I never lost that humanity in me. I found him. I had him on the show. Wow. And him and – don't you know him and I are real good friends now? Because he did something to me, and I talk about it a lot. Mike's heard <clears> this before. <throat> He did something that really screwed me up. I, I got him on the phone after finding him on Facebook, and I said, hey, you know, listen, I just want to tell you I'm really sorry. I was a real jerk. I didn't mean, you know, like, I had stuff going on at home, and I was taking it out on you, and he goes, oh, we were kids. It's okay. I forgive you. I'm like, you motherfucker. Get <laughs> <laughs> one a confrontation for ratings, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Call me something. Call you me something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I could take it. You, hey, you're right. You're absolutely right. I hated you my whole life. You know, I've been waiting for this moment. And Come in with a gun or something. He's like, yeah. no, don't worry about it. We're good. I had, the first time I saw him, I had tears in my eyes. And it's going to be that same way. Because yeah, I you want just, to apologize to him in the worst way. Relieve me. You release all that, all that guilt, I guess. Mike, what do you think? You know, you, you just have to think about where you're at now, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the day when we were going through our dark times, it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you didn't really enjoy it. So when you start those feelings coming, you just got to realize how far you've come. Is there is there one particular behavior that creeps up every now and again? Oh, anger. Anger? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Driving here tonight? Driving here tonight. I was just going to say, especially while driving. <laughs> when you get on that re Route 3 and 46 in the, in the rain, forget it. Yeah, I, I think I need a new steering wheel. I think I ripped it right off the. <laughs> For me, it creeps in. I treated my wife so bad when I was going through my crap, like so bad. I just had no buffer in between thought and action, and like a speed bump between your mind and your mouth. There was it was gone. It was destroyed. And every once in a while, my wife will do something. And of course, it's her fault. It's not my fault. She'll she'll do something that really just you know you you feel it coming on. But now I got a little space in between, right? I used to throw things at her, spit at her, call her every name. Um, but there's a little space in between there where I just now I go sit down. I, I need I, I'll, I'll actually tell her I need like fifteen twenty minutes, mm. and she'll know I'm pissed. I need like fifteen twenty minutes, and she understands now. But that's how I get through it. That's how I don't allow that bad person to come back. I don't know that that well, you know, at least she understands it to give you your time. You know, she I did was, it when for I was a while. going through it, people would just, oh, you're in one of those moods again. You know, yeah. just start going Which is the again. worst thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you were to just show to provoke your provoke you again. If you were to show your ugly side, up, oh, there's Benny Love. There he is. That's the real guy. Yeah. <laughs> Benny Hate came out. Yeah. Not Benny Love. <laughs> no, I fight that every day because, you know, I'm I'm not always around positive people. You know, things happen. Mm. But I'm trying to win. I lose every time though. Like 
guy, guy took my parking spot in Restaurant Depot one day, and he ignored me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I knock on the window. I'm like, oh, he took my spot. You know, like it was obvious, you know. He's ignoring me. I was like, all right, listen, I'm going to park over there. I'm going to leave a little box. We're going to fight. Like, it was that easy. <laughs> now, there was never a fear or a hesitation because you can take the kid out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the kid. Was that t- sort of what happened? Well, like I said, I suppress it every day. I still have the old angus. You know, I just, like, I believe in God and I pray every day and I pray for my my strength, mm-hmm. you know. and My old instincts are animal instincts because I grew up. Then, yeah, it's physical. how you were raised. I was raised yeah. physical, you know. You take a, and you can't blame me or you can't blame people, right, that were raised in that type of environment where everything was physical. It's okay to be physical. So it's weird for me to be in this professional level now and get into confrontation with somebody and not, be, not think to punch them in the face to make them understand. You could put a lion in a zoo for 20 years and somebody falls into the lion pit. That lion's going to eat you. He's going to eat him. Because a lion is always going to be a lion, mm-hmm. even though it's domesticated in some form. But the cool thing about that, that whole, the, your your whole attitude, you just said, I fight every day. You continue to fight. All right. Yes, you fall down sometimes, mm-hmm. but you pick yourself back up. Yeah, because now I'm responsible for the people that watch me. Mm. Like, I didn't ask to be a role model. I just corrected my own problems and wanted to be a better me. It wasn't for the public. It wasn't for the kids. It wasn't for anybody but for me to just do better and break chains in my own family. It was just a personal thing. Now I have so many children, so many kids. I drive by and everybody, hey, Ben, 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 mm-hmm. love, you know, and I got parents that tell me their kids go home and talk about me. I got awards in schools from kids that I don't even know. They didn't even grow up in the town, but they they like the, the Benny Love thing, mm-hmm. you know? So It rolls off the tongue really easy. It works. Yeah. But it, I, that's what I tell. I tell the kids that I mentor now. I want you to introduce yourself for your first and last name. People don't know Benny. Hey, you know Ben? No, I don't know Ben. Benny Love. Oh, Benny Love. So introduce yourself with your full name. Right. It, it, it Make tends, it important. It sticks in their head and people will remember that. Mm-hmm. Samantha, thank you so much for sending that in. Keep sending in your questions. We will try to get them on the air. So we've been waiting. And again, it's, it's a better part of a year and a half that I've been hearing about you and some of the things in your past. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Where you came from? Oh, I'm from the fatherless Hoboken. <laughs> I'm from where even the kids that had a father in their house was because the father had nowhere to live. They were drunks or drug addicts. It wasn't a good home. All my friends, they either had a single parent or if the father was there, it was a piece of shit. My father just was never a part of my life. Being in Hoboken, living in Hoboken, having a social club in Hoboken, but was still invisible. We got burned out of our home. We were homeless. And my mother just kept fighting just to just get us a home and take us to school and do as much as she could as as one mother from aunt to aunt to aunt. And then how many how many kids were in the house? Me and my sister. You and your sister and your father. Your father was there. Was he? My father was in town. They weren't together. They were in town. But it's a square mile. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see him. You know, you're going to see him sooner or later. Yeah. You're always going to see him. So I saw him and uh, we just we were just like walk past each other you know and i'm oh, like, not, not even acknowledging not even sometimes <laughs> sometimes that when we were kids is weird that yeah we were, talk, we were talking about this the other day my father was so ignorant that when we, we were kids he you know he picked us up one day just some random bullshit day and um 
and brought us to the house, and he had BB guns. And he was shoot, telling me that I might have to shoot somebody one day. I, I, I didn't think about it until after. Like, this guy's a fucking idiot, you know? Yeah. But Teaching it. How old were you when he was teaching you how oh, to man, shoot? I had to be about eight, man. Like, oh, I was young, yeah. eight, nine years old. Like, I was a baby. And he was smoking weed with his family there and his friends and everybody. You know, that's like the first time I smelled weed. And mm. But I always said I wasn't going to be like my father. And uh, I, I changed my name. I started my own generation. And I did everything he didn't do. I didn't do drugs. I never did any drugs. I never smoked. Um, but all roads lead. I still took a negative route because of the negative environment that I was in. I was raised in the jungle. So I was still killing what I ate. Like Kevin said, you know, you... You're raised in the jungle. You're still a lion no matter where you go. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. The only kid that had a father was Felix Santiago. Felix. <laughs> that was one kid. And that father felt, and he's a great man. I love that man because I could think back to things he told me 30 years ago, 40 years. You know, I'm 40, 49 now. Hmm. He taught us, oh, come on, you're going to come down to shore. Oh, he was a communal father. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he was that guy. Oh, you get on the get on the four tracks and, and look at this home. And you know, we're like, nah, nah, you know. We're going to beat people up. We go down the shore. We're going to seaside. We're just, when he's not looking, we're smacking somebody. <laughs> we're being ignorant, you know? Yeah. But, you know, he was the only one that was, that was like, he had a job. He's a fireman. And, and he was like the only dad that we all saw. So he tried to be a dad to everybody. And he probably thinks he failed because we all went to jail and we all did crazy shit and everything. But he won because now we're, a lot of us, doing what he taught us. There's, there's. When you see your son hanging around, and you want your son to hang around or, or your daughter to hang around good people, and you see them commiserating around friends who aren't so good as a parent, it's an instinct thing. And that's why I'm. it's such a foreign concept to me because of the way I treat my kids. I just don't understand how somebody can have a son or have a daughter and not acknowledge them and not try to raise good people. I don't get that. I, I have... I have a girlfriend who has a son and I talked to him the other day because he was, you know, out of place. And I told him, I said, listen, I never had a man to hug me. I never had a man that told me he loved me, take me to the park and teach me things. I don't. What I'm doing with my son, with my daughter, with you, with the other kids, it's, I looked around. Oh, that's, let me see how this works. You know, let me see how I can talk it and move. And You had to relearn. You, I had to learn, period. It, it, it's trying to be that father figure that Felix Santiago's father was like to you. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, taking in all these these different kids and, and trying to mold their lives. That's, that's you know, I see that with coaching, and Butch, you probably see that in training. You impact people's lives, and you impact people's lives around your community now. It's a good feeling, and you, now you get it. you like, oh, well, you know what? And you start feeling sorry for those people who lose lost out on those things, mm -hmm. your, your father included. Your father lost out on on something really great, my, and it was his own fault. My father lost out so much that when he died, I wouldn't go to his funeral. When they called me that he was dying, that he had an hour or two left before they pulled the plug, I wouldn't go. Mm. Um, he's a stranger. Mm. And I wouldn't go to the funeral because I didn't want to be ignorant to everybody. I said, I'm sorry about your father. Yeah. So I'd rather not just be the ignorant one. And uh, you know what? God bless him. I hope God, and I told my sister because she went. You don't have to go. You shouldn't go. I raised you. I've been putting my life on the line since I was a kid. And it's I can't. Hey, man, I it's it's heart wrenching, man. It really I, is. I look at my kids and and coming from the place where I came from, I will always 
be there for them always. I will work my fingers to the bone if I have to. I always want them to be proud of me, and I always want them to say, my father was there, worked his ass off. And anybody who doesn't, it's real easy to be a dad. Anybody can be a dad, but it takes a real man to be a father. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Just like we talk, sure. we spoke about that in your episode. Yeah. You were raised by your yeah, stepfather. He was raised by his stepdad. His dad, yeah. his dad was his, his, his father. You don't have a stepfather. That was his father. One of the things that you said, Butch, that really stuck with me is your family isn't always blood. A father doesn't have to be your birth dad. Yeah. Yeah. They Sometimes should... uh, your friends are more than, than family. Yeah. And you wanted to remove that word step from father. Yeah. Yeah, that makes My sense. dad was everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, my father's alive. I don't talk to him. I haven't talked to him in about 30 years. That's a shame. He's in Puerto Rico and... You know there's a lot of Puerto Ricans a, down there. Yeah, yeah. He's just a piece <laughs> of shit as a person. But like I said, I mean, my, my stepdad was, was... He taught us everything in life, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't know how you could have a kid and not... Four. You know, it was four of us. Oh, you know, not, not take, take care of Like that. Kevin, I, you know, I busted my ass to give my kids everything they had, yeah. you know? Went to all their games, you know, and tried That's to be part of their lives. For, you were there for them. My know. father, I got shot, and I flatlined, and I had to get three surgeries. On my, mm. on my third surgery, they read me my last rites, and they invited my family because I wasn't going to make it through. And they said, my father, my mother asked me, oh, your father, you know, he wants, no, not father, but, like, you know, he wants to come. And I told her, I said, listen, if he shows up and I don't die, I'm fucking him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I get yeah. better... I'm going to fuck him up because he don't deserve to see me like this. So I'm assuming this gunshot wound wasn't because you were a innocent standby <laughs> citizen. It no, at that time I was. I was already out of the street. Oh, you were out of it? Yeah, but you know why? It, wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't the BB gun that your father was... Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Shoot. You know why? <laughs> <laughs> no, the problem with that one was I was out of the street. And, and then when I was in the street, I was deep in the street. But nobody would shoot me back then. Hmm. Like Jay-Z says, they only, your reputation. they only test you when your gun goes warm. So people knew I wasn't running around with guns and drugs and the army. You know, I was just shoveling snow that day. Mm. Dude tried to rob me. I smacked his gun. He came with a silencer and attack. I still didn't get scared. We're not scared of death. <laughs> I so, smacked the gun and he shot me. How did that life start for you? Oh, it started as a kid, man. You know, watching Scarface, The Godfather. And, you know, those are your role models because you, you don't know. Like, all you have is these fucking... Well, you see what they have, and you see what you don't have. Yeah. You know, you see them with the fancy you know cars and houses. Gap. But yeah. you, you see the glory of it when it's yeah. in, the, in the movies, you know, in The Godfather and all that. It's all glorified, so you think that that's what the life is really all about. I've been blessed with something that it comes from the inside, and I've always had it. It's work ethic. It's it's. I don't want to work, and I found out later on because I listened <clears> to, like, Billy Allsbrooks and different motivational speakers. I started looking for role models through IG and, 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 and um, YouTube. You use 5% of your brain, right? Your brain cycles work harder and faster in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to use 5%. I noticed that 5% are only our standards. Wake up, breathe. They're, they're on a norm. It's just that 5% does exactly what it's supposed to do to keep you ticking, Right. So I always dug a little deeper. I didn't know I was digging for another 5% or 10%, whatever, whatever it is. They said our brain is so powerful, it's infinite. You can learn dictionaries, different languages, if you really apply yourself. I didn't know I was kind of doing that. But I was always, even though I was with my friends and I wasn't, I never smoked weed, I never drank, but I was always in the crowd because it's, it's just what went on. That I was just using a different cycle. I was being more, 
it was just like a different direction in my mind that I, when I watched Scarface, I knew how to fill that gap. I just didn't know I can, I didn't know, like as soon as I was so young, I said, as soon as I start something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill it. What was the first, what was the first thing that you started doing? Um, so we were in grammar school, we were selling mescalines and weed. Now, that, grammar, I grammar school. Yeah, I started that. Because, I didn't know what mescaline was when I was in grammar school. Yeah, remember those? <laughs> I made money. No, I, to be honest, in, well, I've never seen mescaline in my life. Uh, it's, it's, I it's like, it's a like rat poison or something, right? Like no, a, like, it, you no. get it from a uh, mescaline comes from the base. Of, the real mescaline comes from the base of a cactus, a, oh. a certain type of cactus. Okay. The American Indians used to use it all the time. All right, so there was pink, purple, green, blue, like, you know. But I'm sure the shit that you were selling wasn't from the base of a cactus. No, it wasn't. From, from, from some lab in Hoboken. Yeah. No, they, don't have, they don't have any cactus in no, Hoboken, we right? Used to go, we used to get it in um, Tavern on the Green in 66. <laughs> they had the nickels already bagged up, and they would give you the mescalines over there. So, you know, you're a little kid, you know. And you're making money on it. But I made money on it. Yeah. But I only made, I thought I was making money. But for a little kid, I was making money, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade. But I was bringing home food, mm. you know. I, I was doing it for that. I was, you know, my mother suffered a lot. My mother, my mother stayed alone for a lot of years, and mm. she would cry, thinking that we couldn't hear her. And and my mother would cry, talking on the phone to her sisters, and I could hear her saying, "I don't have no money to feed the kids. I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, I don't have a man." Oh, the anxiety that yeah. you had to feel as a kid as listening a, to that. As a kid, yeah. Oh. And, and knowing that you can't do anything—that's the thing, because you know you're a kid. You know you're seven, eight, nine, so you're suffering with her, but she don't know it. Mm. You know you got to act like you're not. But it's it's programmed in your head that you're gonna make a difference. Fast forward, I come to my house to her house one day, and she's sitting in the yard and she's crying. And I said, "What's up, mom? Why are you crying?" She goes, "I'm crying because I'm happy. You changed my life. Mm, wow. I bought her a house, new car. I changed their life." You need another kid. I have a, <laughs> I have I have a man that I don't call a stepfather to. He's a father mm. figure. Carlos, he's everybody. Great loves guy. Him. Great guy. He knows him. And he's been in my mother's life since I was like 18. Mm -hmm. And um, that man has done everything for us. So I said, you know what? I owed him. You know, during that time, I was going to trial when they met. And it was perfect because he came in when I was leaving, you know, and, and it was just it was great timing. It was nice, too, because if you were uh, your I'm sure your mother, who was strong for all those years, needed somebody to lean on. It was perfect. I yeah. put him there at the right time and he put the right person. He put somebody there that I didn't have to protect her from because I always felt like I had to protect my mother. I always felt like, you know, my mother will never go through anything because all my mother's friends, all my friends, mothers would get smacked. And, you know, there's a lot of shit that would go on. You know, like we have a history of someone who was very abusive in our family. And I was always the go to being 11, 12 years old, you know, and I had to be the, you know, I'm, I'm not a man. You know, right, you're I, 11. 12-year-old tough guy. You, yeah. you still, at 11, you still think girls have cooties. Yeah. I bought a gun when I was a kid, and he found the gun in my room, and he wanted to talk to me. And he asked me, he said, what's that for? I said, it's for you. In my in my head already, like at 12, I was probably 12 or 13 years old. It was a 22, small, but I thought I could kill him with it. I said, if you, put, you, have you ever put your hands on my mother, I'm going to kill you. You know, I've seen four suicides by a 22 gun. Yeah, I did too. I well, I know one. the bullet travels. Real hair trigger, real light pull, trigger pull. That bullet will go in your head, and uh, well, there was a movie saying, uh, "My Blue Heaven." He goes, "22 just goes around in your head and bounces around." Mm -hmm. I and and I've also conversely to that, I've seen people shoot themselves in the head with a forty or a forty-five mm -hmm. and survive. 
I've never seen one survive with a 22 because it's so small and it doesn't exit. It just mm. sort of scrambles your yeah. brains. Well, I didn't know, you yeah. know, it was just like, I need a gun. You know, at, the, at, at that age, a gun is a gun. A gun is a gun. I thought it was a rifle, you know, <laughs> it didn't matter. And, and that's how I thought already, you know, like it's, it's so bad. And this is why I try to reach out to so many kids that I know they're not acting up. They're acting out. Yeah, they're acting out. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Well, you went from mescaline to weed. I'm sure that was the beginning. Yeah. Where did it grab? Was it just drugs or was it crime as well? No, I really wasn't a criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to make money. I had to, I had to act for, for it. Like I delivered food before all these delivery companies came out. Uber and yeah. Uber and all this stuff. I delivered for Alibaba. I was their first delivery guy when we were homeless, right? And they would take the food home at the end of the night or whatever. And then um, it was kind of slow. I went to the delivery company. I mean, I went to the Chinese restaurant down the block, and I asked them if I could work for them, too. I already had the idea, like, yeah. right, let's add this up, you know? Like, your, it was it's your, some, your work ethic you were talking about. Yeah, that hey, work ethic. Got to keep moving. At that age, I was, hey, you know what? Hey, this is kind of slow. Can I deliver for you, too? While, you know, they're not. And I was doing both but every day yeah. at the yeah. school. Yeah. So, so what did it graduate to? So then, you know, fast forward, I got set up for a crime I didn't do. Two pieces of shit cops upset I shot somebody. I didn't shoot the guy. See one of them? No, no, no. no. no it was Nikki Burke, they're, they're Nikki Burke and Mike Nikki, De Palma. You know what, Nikki Burke, they, they know the story. <laughs> I got set up for shooting somebody I didn't shoot. I had a little beef with Hoboken cops because I broke a cop's nose. And um, oh, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I broke, I broke his nose and then I started fucking with him because they beat me up in the police station for like two hours. You know, I went to the hospital and then uh good I old got, hudson county got, yeah, yeah yeah those are the good old days though man but i respect those days it <laughs> yeah, is what it is i was a dick usually was a usually dog. you gotta if you took a beating in the station you, you got off easier yeah. I'll tell you, I, when i was a kid the cops either beat you or take you home to your parents i'd rather take well they beat. bruised me so bad well he they put me in handcuffs and he beat me up so bad that my eyes were black my nose was swollen i had lumps so they put me in the youth house for about three, four months. So I had to go to the youth house till I healed. When my black eye noticed, when my black eye went away, they let me go home. You know, so. Yeah, they don't want anybody else seeing what they did. Dude. Again, that's Hudson County. That's yeah. Hudson County. That's right. And not today. Yeah. But they set me up. And then, today you'd be back out on the street in five so minutes. What, yeah. what age is this? 15. 15, okay. Yeah, I was like 15, 16. And uh, I went to the youth house for a couple months. And then couple of years later i never really grew that much after that the weed and all that shit i wasn't really thinking about beat i wanted to but it, the opportunities weren't they weren't there yet now um i got interviewed to do a life story this lady that was shopping my my story like you guys wanted to ask me on lifetime and i came up with this idea um because of what happened to me was uh making a drug dealer right mm. so the remember making a murderer right? sure yeah. yeah 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 so my idea was making a drug dealer <laughs> it's like I guess they could file that under educational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I go to jail for something that I didn't do. I'm in jail these years. I did five years. I'm stressing. I'm asking God to kill me, take me. Like, why am I alive? I can't see my daughter. I'm, I'm around all these people. I don't fit in here. I'm not, everybody just talking about doing drugs. This is from the crime that you were set up for. Yeah, yeah for okay. shooting that guy. We were at a club. A friend of mine got punched. They were arguing inside the club. It stopped for a little while. Hour later, the party's over. It's in Hoboken. We all go outside. One guy hits my friend. My friend falls to the side. I hit that guy. One of the bouncers shoots that guy. I punch another guy. So while I'm fighting, the cops are right there. They throw everybody on the floor. They didn't find a gun on me. The guy leaves, comes back. I'm shot. I'm shot. He didn't know he got shot. 
I knew who shot him. And um, he did it. He did it. They bring me in, bring my guy in. So now I'm going to make a phone call right, to call my mother. The gun is on the table. And the cop is asking her, can you identify the gun? And To your mother? No, no, oh, no. no. To, to the to girl. To the witness. To the witness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what the gun looked like? He's questioning this lady. Girl, wow. I'm calling my mother. And I'm listening to the question. I'm like, this mm. motherfucker. And um, Hudson County. Hudson County, man. <laughs> there was two cops that did that. Two, two. They're dead now. And I'm glad they're dead. Mm. I don't talk about them. because Is it I one know, of the guys whose nose you broke? I know they kids. No, 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 no. I want to fight them, though. You owe me a fair one. So you, you know the funny thing about that, Mike, and I'm pretty sure Mike feels the same way about this. All right, you were on one side of the law. You were doing whatever you were doing when you were growing up. If you and I, if if you get the better of me as a cop, do you know it's part of the game? Mm-hmm. Where if you have a cop, and I always, I always held cops to a higher standard, and if you're a dirty cop, I will hate you more than a criminal. Like, I don't hate criminals. It's just that's your, your – You got your business. We got ours. Correct. You're, you're my lifeline to a, a sustainable future. But I don't – but a dirty cop? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. off the force. He got kicked out. Yeah, that, he started that doing all the dumbest shit. I think he was getting high too. But, you know, that was after the fact. Yeah. I know when I came out of the youth house, I went and I saw him on Washington Street, and there we were starting a fight with somebody. It was me. I was always fighting. <laughs> and um, he comes in, and he starts telling everybody, get the fuck out. You know, crazy, cursing and everything. And so I tell everybody, whoever leaves, I'm fucking you up. And he looked, and when he saw me, he's like, stop calling in, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, you calling in? Whatever. You know, so they called 100 cops came, you know, and I just left after that. But, yeah. um yeah, he owes me a fair one. Now, you, you, go to, you go away to prison. You leave your sister. You leave your mother. This guy comes into your mother's life, thankfully. thankfully you know, yeah, thank somebody God. put that in there. Did you think your life was done? Um, I just still didn't know what life was. I didn't know what life was. That's interesting. You didn't know what life was. Now, how old were you when you went to prison? 19. No, 20. 19. 19. And I took you, it to trial. And you were I wouldn't rat on the guy. I wouldn't rat. You were robbed of a childhood. Yeah. So I wouldn't rat, and I wouldn't say it was me. To get a lesser sentence, they were offering me like twenty-two with eight. You know, we combined with the with the gun charge and the attempted murder, and I, I was like, I'm just not going to tell, but I'm not also going to accept. I'm not going to. I can't stand there and say, oh, I did this, Your Honor. So I'd rather roll the dice and get twenty years than to take five years. So I'm rolling against five. Uh, they dropped the attempted murder, gave me an aggravated assault, gave me eight with a four, didn't give me a credit for a year. So I wound up doing five. Now, Butch, you're you remember this going down? Yeah, well, I remember him as a little knucklehead kid. Yeah. Um, now he's an older knucklehead kid. Yeah. <laughs> he was just, I know he was always getting into trouble and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you, you you being where you are in the community, were you at this time doing your training? Or yeah, my, train? me and my brothers, we always, we've been doing boxing since I'm like seven years old. All my life. Yeah. Did you ever try to pull him in and try to get him out of well, this life? You know, I, I sold him one of the first cars ever mm-hmm. because, uh, this kid, he's always been special. Even though he was a knucklehead, he was real responsible. He's special too, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> he was real responsible. So <clears throat> I gave him the Honda Premium on credit. Mm-hmm. Really? And to his credit, he was never late on payments. I can't not pay him, yeah. So you were more afraid of disappointment than my name is going, to, going to jail. Yeah, my, pretty name, much. My, my name and my reputation is everything, even to this day. You know, uh, dignity... Uh, it, 
it's everything. You know, every important thing has, you know, has rules, right? You have a manual and, and I, and I have that script in my head that I have to stick to this or I'm not Benny Love. Well, you know, it's funny. I heard a quote the other day. It said, if you lose money, you lose nothing. If you lose faith, you, you lose something. If you lost, if you lose character, you lost everything. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's really what it is. You, yeah. you know, you don't, you lose face, you're done. And there was a time in my life, I made a lot of money. When I came out of prison, I had a, I had a, uh, I had a vengeance with the police department. You know, I, I was like, these motherfuckers, you know, like I was just now, you're not going to stop me. You know, you set me up. The good thing is Hoboken's a square mile, mm. right? Hoboken's a square mile. It's hard to hide. It's hard, but, but you know what? Yeah, it's hard to hide, even for the police. Mm -hmm. So, not that I was a threat to the police, but personally, they knew they fucked me. They knew they did something to me. They was out. The word mm -hmm. was out. They knew who did it. So, I gave them the respect. I was never, oh, fuck you, you're a cop. Thing. No, I never did that. So, hey, what's up? How you doing? All right, hello, hello, goodbye. You know, drive by and wave, you know. So, I gained that respect, and they just left me alone. So what I did was when I started hustling, I noticed that it worked for me. So anybody that was working for me, I gave them rules. I want all your paperwork. I want all your lights working. I don't want you. I don't want more than a girl in a car. That's it. Smart. And every yeah. time you see a cop, I want you to say what's up. Does it sound like the Walter White of Hoboken? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, that, and you know what? And it worked. Yeah. And and then if you didn't listen. Hoboken is a square mile. Again, I'm driving around all day. Well, see, you're 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 contrary to most criminals that Mike and I have ever dealt with. Ever. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, the, the common phrase in p the police world is criminals are usually not the smartest brand of people. That's why they're criminals. And criminals always do criminal things. You By you doing that one little thing, make sure all your lights work, no, you, setting those rules in place, you are doing what criminals don't do. Mm -hmm. So you're going to take the eyes off you. It's very smart. Well, I always said, if you're doing something wrong, do it right. <laughs> you know, if you're doing something wrong, do it right. It so then, then you don't bring attention to yourself. Now, when you went away to prison, um, you lived in Hoboken. I know Hoboken is an extraordinarily diverse area. Everybody sort of knows each other. It's kind of like the Alabama of the North. Everybody's cousins, friends. Related comp. in some way or another. Yeah, everybody's related. Everybody's copy. Um did any of your of the the people come to your aid, or did they sort of just well, Benny's gone. It was it was kind of that, but it's yeah. understood. There's, there's everybody's a, poor though. There's a no you free know? free Benny Benny love no, movement. Nobody did the shirts and none of that shit. <laughs> but but you know it was just it was expected. You know it was expected. I, I one one guy let me down. One guy that I really loved. He was a good friend of mine, and I felt that Mike uh, De Palma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say his name because we yeah, fought. I, I you know it. this. This I still love this guy from to this day, and and I and I called him up and I said, "Yo, look, I can't get past this. Meet me in the park by your house." I said, "Meet me in the park. Show me the fair one." And we went to the park, and you know, and and I hit him, and he fell, and I, get up, hit him again, he fell again, mm. but he came, he fought, like he was like I told him, I was like, "Yo, I can't get over this. I can't get past this." Like two years down the road, just meet me in the park. Let's shoot the one, man. Because after we fought, I said to him, "All right, now we'll sell my money." He goes, "Fuck that! You just you just got your money. Let's go eat. <laughs> you got your money's worth." Yeah, yeah. So we went to eat. You know, we went to Tornas Pizza. We had pizza. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, then you, yeah. you squashed it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We were cool before, but we had a little tension. And I, I'm listen. I'm not a shooter. I'm not a killer. But I'm a man. I'm a man. If you if you cross you cross that line, 
I can't live with it. So you, you put up a, a very important point right there. You had this aggression and you couldn't get past. So you didn't, you, you knew holding it in, it was just going to explode one day. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to explode in, in, a, in a very unhealthy wrong, way for you. Wrong way. You met face to face. You worked out your problems either by fists or by verbal argument, however, however it played out. But at the end of the day, guess what? The problem's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Isn't it, that a better way of the world? Uh, yeah. Happened to me a couple a couple of years ago now. Um, we had this one guy, toughest guy in like South Bergen County, banned from every bar in the area. He, all he goes in is fights. He's knocking people out. I was in a bar one day and he's like, you know, you fucking cops are all the same. And so I'm like, oh, here we go. So I stood up. I said, that's it. Let's go outside, motherfucker. Me and you. Come on, let's go outside. I said, you may kick my ass, but you're going to know you're in a fucking fight. Let's go. Every time I see the guy, he gives me a big hug now. We're like, we're like good friends, you yeah, know, because yeah, I stood up to him. it takes yeah. that. It takes that. Yeah, yeah. Thank God we didn't, the thank God, really thank God we didn't fight. fight. <laughs> my I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm, I was the alligator or the crocodile in the water in the club, okay? I was always in the VIP. Just hovering. Yeah, yeah, because I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I'm drinking water. I come out healthier. When I leave the club, because I pissed about 10 times, <laughs> I drank water mm. all night. Again, okay? very anti-criminal what you're doing, yeah. just so you know that. All right. Just, just if you're going to make a, if you're going to do this Lifetime show, how to make a drug deal, you're, do, you're, you're going against the grain. <laughs> 99% of them do the opposite of what you're saying. But I don't know. It's God. Yeah. Always walk me through this path. Well, it, did, did, was God always in your life? Yeah. 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 I never had. I, I, I never hid from God. Every day I got up and did something wrong, I asked God to help me. Mm. I don't hide it. I don't hide it. I, mm. How? God, help me today. I'm going to go sell drugs. I don't want nothing to happen to me. Please protect me. I'm going to beat the shit out of this God guy. even protects drug dealers. Yeah, yeah. I even say, yeah, God, you know, I, I'm going to knock him. I'm going to knock him out. I won't curse, you know, my prayers. But how are you going to hide this God, right? <laughs> so you can tell God, God, all right, you know, I'm going to give him a pass. And then see the guy hit him. Like, oh, God, please just don't let him die. <laughs> you know, I never wanted to kill anybody. But, you know, like the, the, the sin to, to death, right, is, you know, hey, Ten Commandments, you can't kill nobody. But it doesn't say you can't almost kill them. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a ten and a half commandment. <laughs> I don't want you. <laughs> Thou shalt not kill, but you can maim. <laughs> I, 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 you do what a lot of people do. You interpret the Ten Commandments in your own way, <laughs> you know, and and there's some people that go Justifies on a little, right? yeah, a little bit stricter with the, their interpretation. Hey, but you. did he die? Yeah. <laughs> it's mental justification. <laughs> That's, but now you, you go, you go away and you get out. Are you still doing, doing stuff that you're not supposed to be doing when you get out? I only came out to do that. That's it. That was day one, day one in my furlough. I bought a pound of weed to make sure that I was going to do that. Really? Mm-hmm. So saved those up, bars saved closing? Up of, saved up a lot of commissary and I was money. Still, I was still in the halfway house. That was my first furlough. So that, that time behind bars did not, like there was no fear of going away. Like I no, can't sit in close places. No, because I'm not scared places. of jail now. The biggest fear for somebody who's never been to jail, you tell them, oh, you're going to go to jail. You're going to go to jail. This is easy. I'm Benny Love. I'm getting food from everywhere, getting respect. I never had to join a gang. I'm that, you know, I'm still the Benny Love in the street that the, that I was in the street. My, I used to lend the CO's money. The CO couldn't pay me in prison one day. And I made him pack up all the encyclopedias and put them in my mother's car after visit. <laughs> you, uh, this is the, this is the craziest thing I ever heard. That's yeah. that you, you, 
you actually went to college. Yeah, because now, remember, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I'm not into what they're doing. I'm not in the game, so mm. I don't have to be listening to everybody. I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. So I said to myself, when I come home, I was getting DuPont registries. Oh, you want anything? Yeah, I want a DuPont. I was looking at Rolls Royces, Bentleys, and houses, islands, right? And I was just putting all of those things. I, you know, now they call them affirmations and all this other stuff. They didn't have words for all that back then. It was just, right, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. So much fast forward. I'll go back to that. But fast forward, I went and drove and saw a Bentley. And the guy, I drive the Bentley. I like it. I buy this Bentley. I get the DuPont registry. Is the featured Bentley for that dealership. Like, it, but for years, Ma, look at this car. Ma, look at this color. Ma, look at this car. You know, it was just, I didn't know it was an affirmation. Mm. And then, so, you know, rewind now. I wanted to get mortgages. We don't have families that own houses. So what did I do? I went and I got denied for a mortgage. So he can tell me what I have to do to get a mortgage. So, oh, what's a good faith estimate? You know, you got to put a good faith. Okay, oh, $1,000. Okay, here's a check. Give him $1,000. I know I'm going to get declined because he said, oh, you get your $1,000 back if, if you can't get a mortgage. I know I couldn't get a mortgage. I didn't know how to get a mortgage. So they taught me how to get a mortgage by denying me. How do I get credit for a car? What kind of credit history do I need? You, Listen, we're Puerto You gave Rican. a deposit on an education. <clears throat> yeah, that's what, that's and exactly if they want to give me the $1,000, I wouldn't care because I knew that that was going to make me money later on. What, what was a FICO score when you're Puerto Rican mm. or when you're poor? <laughs> What's a recession when you're poor? There is none. You're always fucking poor. Life is a recession. Your mother's always struggling. Yeah. Now, so, what do you dress? I, I got I to gotta stop you here for a second. What are you dressing like at this time? There's a reason why I'm asking that. Are you dressing like you're from the streets? Or yeah, you... yeah. I always dress like I'm from the street. I was just like this, kind of okay. like this. I never really changed. And the reason why I don't change now is because I want these kids that are like me that I don't know yet to feel like they can still reach me because I dress like them. So when you walked into that car dealership and you looked at the Bentley, mm. what was their reaction to you? Well, it was parked outside. The guy comes out. I'll never forget that. He goes, um, you like it? I said, he goes, you want to buy it? I, I guess he was being maybe sarcastic. And he thought I, you were going to steal it. Yeah, yeah, steal it, right? <laughs> so I said, uh, I said, yeah, get the keys. He goes, give me your license. We went for a ride. I, I ran my credit. No, fucking, you deny me? You're going to tell me how to get it now? Mm. He, he, he can prove me. I got. I was Monday. I never forget. I swear, that was Monday, and and then on Friday I had the car. So if you got denied, did you pay cash for it or what did you? No, 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 no. I put a deposit and you know and and I just paid the car down. So that's the funniest thing. I got I got a, a great story about this. Years before I was before I was a cop, I sold cars. And car salesmen have this problem where they they qualify. His brother will attest to this because I worked with his brother. Um, they they qualify people walking in the door. Mm -hmm. All right, um, and they'll they'll look at them and they'll say, "All right, well, I don't think you can afford it." I sold Toyota, sold Toyotas. I don't think you can afford a Land Cruiser. Just looking at you. You know, mm. and a lot of people do that. So they walked away from this guy and I'm looking this guy up in a torn jeans. He's got like a uh, loafer, like cheap loafers on and he wants to drive a Land Cruiser. So all the people around go, oh, God, I, I'm not doing this. He's just going to waste my time. So I said, all right, let me give it a shot. I go up to the guy and very nice guy. I'm filling out the credit application with the guy. And I was like, OK, what do you, one of the questions was, what do you make a month before taxes? And he goes. Yeah, about 70 or 80. I'm like, no, not a year. Like, what do you make a month? He goes, yeah, it's a little low, but that's about right. 
He was an investment banker. <laughs> you, you, you know that guy bought five Land Cruisers from me? Damn. Be, yeah. and, and what he told me was, he goes, you didn't judge me when I walked in the door. He goes into those places mm, specifically. Dressed down. Yeah, yeah. Dressed yeah, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to see who is going to give him his time. Yeah. So you never judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point of that. Like I see you in here, all smiles, love hat on, and mm. I'm I'm I I I can see that's your your happy human being. But I also know a little bit about your past, and I'm trying to figure out how you got from there to here. And I'm trying to mm. walk through. Like you go back out on the street after after jail, and I'm like. Like no nobody does that right away. They try to do something to stay on the straight and narrow, or very few people anyway. Somebody who wants to stay free. Now, how bad did it get when you were back out on the street? So, before fifty summed it up, but get rich or die trying. Mm-hmm. I used to say you got to want something bad enough to die for it. If you die, you don't need it. So, and then get rich or die trying came. It was perfect. Yeah. You know, like wow. it goes with that. I'm not scared of death. When this man put the gun on me, I smacked it. I walked away from him. I told him I'm hit. I'm going to the hospital. He got nervous. He stayed there. He froze up. He wasn't a shooter. He's a bitch. <laughs> he only tried to rob me. I made him shoot me. Not that I wanted to get shot because I don't want to die and I don't want to kill nobody. I walk away and then Primo was shoveling my other building and he was still standing on the corner. I felt... <laughs> I already knew something was going on. I didn't know how bad it was. I was still thinking, like, if I leave this kid here, he snaps out of it, he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I was still saying that when I drove to the mm-hmm. hospital, I'm telling him because I feel like I'm dying now. So I'm like, <laughs> and, and I, don't, I don't think I'm going to make it to the hospital where there's a blizzard. So I'm telling him, um, Primo, if I die, Primo starts, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. He's just on repeat. Like, he kept yeah. looping it. And I'm like, yo, calm down. Calm down. I already smack him, mm-hmm. you know? That you'll never, yo, this is the craziest story. I get to the hospital, security shoveling. Yo, you can't park there. Listen, I'm shot. Bring me inside. I'm still calm. Primo was so nervous. He got in the driver's seat and went home. <laughs> he left me. I swear to God. He left me in the hospital with the bullet. And then when I got it, I walked inside. The guy goes, all right, no, walk me all the way in. They put me on. I started taking my clothes off. The bullet fell out of the other side of my body. The hole was like. You know, like this, the entry, you know, it's small. Yeah. And then the exit was, you know, it was a hollow tip. I'm holding the bullet, you know, the bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm holding the bullet in my hand. But then after that, it started getting weak and I flatlined. You know, they asked me when I woke up, I was in a coma. And was that the moment that you said this, this life? No, I was already out of the life. You were out of it. What, yeah. what got you? What, so what I got that in, decision. <clears throat> the decision to start when I came home was for my daughter in my head. Mm-hmm. I got to get my daughter a life that she, you know, she doesn't deserve. You know, like, I, I got to take her out of this and put her in a comfortable position. You want to be the father figure that you didn't have. Yeah, yeah, right? But I had to do it through the street. So I started for her. I said, I'll put it all on the line for her. That's when I came home. I said, I'll put it all on the line for her. My son was the reason I stopped, right? So I had a beginning and an end. I only wanted, like, five years, right? So after a couple of years, I knew I should have stopped, but I was just, all right, I'm going to stop today. But I'm making 10 grand a day, 50 grand a day sometimes. You know, it's not all profit, but, you know, the margins are good, you know? And then I got so much money out in the street that I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm slowing down. God, I know I I said five, (laughs) you know? This five ain't over yet. And, and, And I just... You know what? I said that that's it. You know, I guess you you realized with your children that this life you're leading is not sustainable. And if you 
continue the current lifestyle that you're at, you're going to run into the same situation that you had growing up. You're going to be without a father. And maybe sure, in jail again. I'm sure that's going to, that weighed on your decision-making process. Uh, the, the jail thing uh, in my head, it's all mindset. You know, it's all like I was okay with dying. That's why I wasn't scared when I got shot. Doing what I was doing every day, I did it bigger and better because like my boys would say, yo, chill, you're going to get life. I'm like, you're going to be in the same jail like me selling bullshit. Yeah. So I might as well get life. I'd rather deal with a cartel than a nigga on the street that's going to shoot me for no reason. You go know? big so, or go home. Yeah. And, and that was that was my thought. So life in jail or not that I ever want to do that because I'm so different. You know, like now I have these opportunities and things are different and I'm glad that things change. So I'm not glorifying the lifestyle. I don't want the kids to look up to me that that look up to me to say, oh, he was OK with life or getting killed. It, it, it was just a mindset that I had because I gave it all. I gave everything. I gave, it didn't matter. You know, like I'm okay with my mother crying at my funeral and my daughter because I was achieving a goal. I was dying, achieving a goal. It's no different than a marathon runner overrunning his, whatever he can distance and, and die while he's running. You know, I just, I was committed. So anything I do, you know, in this world now with the real estate and the things that I do, I, I'm still sending emails at midnight. And I, and today I started at six in the morning. You know, I'm the first one in and the last one out. Yeah. You will not outwork me. You will not. I don't care what I say that about myself all the time. You and I could should go head to head on something. <laughs> that's that's me. It's it's nonstop because because I believe if you work forty hours, well guess what? I'm gonna work eighty hours mm -hmm. because I I need to be successful. That's what it takes to be successful. It sounds like you and you had several different businesses, right? I think you said you had yeah. a bar. I had a bar because everybody wanted to buy out the bar, right? You go to the bar, everybody with the bottles. I don't drink. So I had this stupid idea. I said, you know what? And that wasn't a stupid idea. It was just like, I'm going to outdo these dudes. I'm going to buy the bar. So the bar we grew up in, I bought. Well, you should go. So one of, uh, there's there's a great bar that's a sponsor of ours, Grand Saloon. I don't know if you guys ever heard about it in Clifton. As a matter of fact, we're coming up. Uh, it, it, actually, you know, by the time this airs, we're going to be past that. Our two-year anniversary was held at Grand Saloon. It's 940 Van Houten Avenue in Clifton. Nick always takes great care of us. But that's like a, a family bar. And if Nick were to ever sell that, I would I would have the same mindset as you. We're like, you know what? I can't let this fall into somebody else's hands or fall by the wayside. This is just yeah. too good of a place. And not even that. It was, a, it, was a, it was a pride thing because it was on the block where everybody hustled. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to kill it. Oh, I really? wanted to own it, and I didn't want nobody selling drugs. I already stopped, so I was changing everything. I was going to so, say, you buy a bar. It's an easy way for you to run drugs out of yeah, there, Yeah, no, too. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. That wasn't the plan. The plan was, like, I have friends now, and I don't want to say names. They own a couple of businesses, but they're not as successful as they should be, right? Because they're letting other elements get in their brain. And they settle. And they settle. They settle thinking that they're going to fix the problem to get to the solution, right? Me? I eat the dessert first. I go, I eat the dessert. I get the things done that I need to do or, or fast forward some of the stuff. Maybe I jump a couple of steps, but I lead by example. I have my first couple of steps, my routines when I wake up, my affirmations, my, my faith in God, my prayers and, and all of that. But when I'm going to start something, I stick to it or I don't start it at all. And, and that's what I'm trying to teach. Like even when I did the bar thing, Everybody hung out in that same bar. They played pool. They drank. They sold drugs there. I was like, I got to show these dudes. I yeah. got to show them. I'm going to buy the bar. Yeah, but that's lead by example. That's an important thing because you've gone through this this wicked life. 
Yeah. And we've only touched on it. Like, like it's, a, it's, it's like an hour, but life. you can attest to this. I mean, we've probably only touched on some of the stuff. How did you start transitioning into the Benny Love of today? It was always in me. I just didn't have the opportunity. So when I came home and I started learning about credit, like when I was in jail already, I, I was curious about credit, FICO, mm. and, and all of those things. Like I came out with a package, right? And I just didn't know. Maybe it took a month to do this and a year to do that. But, you know, I had it all in my head already. And I kept buying the DuPont registries, the Robert Ports. You know, I just kept feeding my mind with these beautiful things. You know, I bought myself. This was the first chain I ever bought. So this was a gift to myself in 97. And then I bought a Movado Esperanza. I, cl- I I couldn't afford it. It was like $800. So I took the out of the Robert Report and I put it in a file. You know, it was, again, an affirmation. I didn't know. Mm. Uh, later on, I found out about the secret. A friend of mine, when I lost everything and I was I slept in my car, fast forward, after making millions of dollars and having a portfolio and buying property, like, I went through it. I used to look up and like, God, why am I here again? Like, when I was in prison, those old feelings came back, like, it was so deep, but then you remember the story of Job. Like, just keep your faith. You're going to get punched in the face. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. And then I, t- I got to the point where I used to make excuses like, oh, God is busy. He's not, you know, he can't get to me right now. And then it was like, all right, did a lot of bad shit. Because you're not, I learned that you're not really judged by the shit you do. You're probably, you're probably judged more by the shit you think. I, I, I was, was going to say about the shit you don't do. I would agree. You don't do it, but yeah. you think to do it. Yeah. So it's done. And God, it's between you and God when it's in your thought. He knows. Yeah. But I, I would agree with that. You know, when the thought pops into your head, there's the opportunity for action. Mm. And you've, you know, you got a powerful message. And I'll tell you why you have a powerful message. Because no kid, if you were this straight-laced businessman your whole life, and then you want to do something good for your community. You start going out and doing youth outreach to maybe some kids who are looking to go down the wrong path. Nobody's going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. You could go up to a kid and say, let me tell you what this this road is going to get you. I'm going to show you. You lift up. You show your bullet wound. You show your scar. And then all of a sudden, that kid's going to go, wow. And you, you got their attention. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice from from training young young people. You know, one the biggest problem with training anybody, with getting anybody, getting a message across, is getting their attention. Yeah, mindset. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been put in a position to own the field house in Hoboken. It's a little stand. It's seasonal. My parents retired. I was awarded the opportunity, and I took it so that my parents could, instead of rusting, you know, you rest, you rust, uh, come and work with me over there, and. and a parent came to me one day and said to me, I walked in my son's room and he was playing a card game and it said Ben Love on the plate. I was like, oh, that's cool. She goes, no, it's not cool. I told him to change it. I'm like, oh, what happened? She goes, I know who you are. I said, all right. So who am I? So she was like, look, Ben, I heard a lot. You know, I'm just nervous that my son is looking up to the wrong person. You're really nice to him and you're nice to the kids. They're always talking about you. These kids are 10 years old. I can see where the parents' trepidation could happen with that yeah. because they, they may right think that you're grooming the kids. Mm-hmm. So now I say to her, your son is introducing you to me, not you to him, not you to me. To, you know, you're not showing him who I am. He's showing you who I am. Mm. I said, when I look out this window, I see future politicians. I see future police. I see future firemen. I see a lot of good people. These kids are all going to be good, right? But I also see hookers, drug dealers. I don't know who they are yet, but I'm looking out that window thinking like that. And I want to be the guy they touch. That's why I park a Ferrari here. That's why I tell my friends with the beautiful cars, the Corvettes, the Lamborghinis. You know, I'll put all the shiny things here, but we're positive. Usually when you see all those shiny things, 
there's negativity going on. I don't hang out with negative people. Yeah. People, negative people cannot hang out with me. I got truck dealers that call me, Ben, help me, Ben, teach me. Mm. When you're done, I promise you, I'll change your life. You, you've been where they are and you know that, you know, they're trapped. Like, you know, those, those drug, a lot of those drug dealers are trapped. Some of them like it. And they're, uh, because they're in mile square and they don't know any better. You, yeah. yeah. Now, that's how they're, you're brought up. I when, mean, Hoboken's yeah. a hell of a lot different now than it was when you were growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, but then you still got the projects, yeah. though. And the projects, you have second, third, fourth generation of the same people that I hung out with yep. and the legends that I grew up knowing when I was a kid are still there. So that's a problem. Because we lived in applied housing and our rent was $600 and I was saving money to buy a house to get our family out. That was a stepping stone for me. It's always better to have a roof over your head than living in your car. Yeah, and I yeah. slept in my car yeah. after having a lot. But Especially in the winter. When I told, I told God, <laughs> listen, I, I bought a Mini Cooper to show people that I would never sell drugs again. I bought a Mini Cooper and I put a towing hitch on it and I bought hot dog carts. And I used to tow the hot dog carts in Hoboken. Now think, I used to drive a Bentley. I had a boat. I had a couple of boats. I had it all. I had real estate. I had everything. I lost everything, right? First thing I was asked was, are you going back? No, I'm going to buy a hot dog cart. And they thought I was joking around. And I was like, no, I'm about hot dog cart. I hope so hard, man. I had to check my ego. Ice cold <laughs> yeah. water for a dollar, hot dog two dollars, <laughs> and it would hurt. It you know, easy. like oh. it was easy to say, "Hey, anybody want any mask?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I told God that I would never sell drugs again. To the point that I've been offered opportunities with the weed thing, right? That people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never made the deal with God in my head. If it, go, if it becomes legal, God, I'll sell a ton of it. <laughs> you know, I'll get back. So I, I deny it. I don't want no part of it. CBDs, all that other shit. I don't get involved. Well, somebody just said to me that, um, you know, even though weed is legal and everything like mm-hmm. that, anybody who's ever been hooked on heroin, cocaine, methamphetamines, it always started mm-hmm. with, with weed. Yeah. And, and, and why does this person go to get addicted and this person doesn't? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the gamble. Well, I tell that to my kids. Back when, when I was hustling, you know, I used to get truckloads from Mexico, right? But it was what they called the backyard boogie, right? It was just the bullshit. We used to get three pound blocks, and they were compressed. And they thought, you know, I listen. I own the game. I own the game. I was, I was the the the, the businessman of the game. Okay, um, my friend, not to glorify the game again, but my friend who I love, he tells me one day that the the gram was 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 twenty one dollars when I started, right? And I gave the kid twenty. Because they used to send this kid over to go get an ounce or whatever they were selling. So I gave the kid $20. And then he goes, you're getting high? My boy says to me, you're getting high? You know, playing around. I said, I said, no, why? He goes, you can't even get high with that. I said, yo, just put the other dollar, bro. Just get, get me the, get me the, uh, get, get me a gram, you know? And then, because I wanted to learn. I didn't, I didn't know what the points were. I just came home. I didn't know what points were. I didn't know that there was, you know, 10 points in there. How many points they were given, 20s, 4, whatever. That you move fast forward. Now, like six, seven months, I'm selling dumb weight, telling them, oh, you can't even get high with that. You know, they asked me for an ounce or two ounces. I'm like, yo, you're getting high. You know, it turned into a joke. But, you know, it, it turned out to where I started ordering birds. Like every drug dealer's dream is to own, to have keys, right? So I was like, all right, I don't want a key. I want 10. I want 20. I want I want to connect. I want to talk to the cartel. I want to be around where everybody's at because that's where the money's at. It got to the point where now everything has a system. This is how I think I'm systematic, right? That first year, nobody had work November, December, and January. 
the prices went up to $30 or $32, like around there, right? From 20. So I was like, oh shit. So next year, that's four, I call it four quarter, Q4. How much do you want to bet that some of these, some of these bales were coming through Seth? Yeah, no kidding. So one of our friends is Seth Ferrante. He he directed the Netflix series White Boy. Mm. Um, about I Rick, saw that. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he, he's been in here. Okay. And he was the LSD weed guy of the Northeast. Okay. Yeah. Like he went away. He did he did twenty one years yeah, 21. out of twenty five. Okay. With not uh, without being caught of anything, mm. but you know I've met a, I've met several people like you in my life who have gone down the wrong road, who have been criminals. Mm-hmm. But here's my take on you. My take on you is, had you been raised in the suburbs by lily white community and had had a proper home life, you would have been successful if you were a landscaper. You would have done. You would have excelled at anything you did. You chose something that's not very well, good. He's a hustler. I, but I chose the. It wasn't like <clears throat> landscaping was an option. And drugs There's no option. grass in Hoboken. What, are you going to no cut gra- the three blades? You want to hear something now? I know people that own companies cutting grass in Hoboken in the backyards. With scissors? And setting up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they do the landscaping. They made a business out of that now in that little town. You can make a business out of anything. <laughs> they got a tree removal service now, too. They removed one tree last year. <laughs> but yeah. you, and, and this is this is your power with the young kids. And again, the cars and and everything in your past life, that's the grab. Mm-hmm. But your mind is what you're passing on to the kids. Yes. Your, your, your acumen for business. And like I said. And your story. You your story is going to help kids. You could have done anything in the yeah. world. And you're 49 now. How long have you been out of the game, well, out of the racket? My son is 21 when he was born. When he was born. So, yeah. you've been, you've so been, what I did was I probably had a million dollars in work or half a million, whatever it was. And, and I just wholesaled it back. Mm. I didn't want to sell drugs no more. That's it. You know, I caught a little case, which was bullshit. You know, it was like, ah, I said, you know what? I've been exposed already. I'm that guy. Mm. Like I tell people all the time, when you get locked up, don't think you got over. You got exposed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, now yeah. now yeah. they're going to let you do whatever you want to do. Now you got carte blanche. Go become a multi-billionaire. Look, in the game, I figured out that once I caught a case for fucking you up, I'm going to fuck up everybody that owes me money. You want to press charges, press charges, because now I'm going to run a concurrent. It's the first case I got to worry about. You could have, I still think you could have done anything yeah. you wanted. And you're proving that. Like in 21 years, you're proving your success. You're proving your status. You, you walk down, and I know this for a fact. You walk down the streets of Hoboken. Mm-hmm. Tell me if I'm wrong, Butch. Walk down the streets of Hoboken and mention Benny Love. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows him. I, Everybody. Ran, into, I ran into a retired cop, a retired Hoboken cop the other day. The guy's name is Rich. I don't even know his last name. I said, oh, yeah, we had, uh, you know, Butchie Sanchez and, and Benny Love. He goes, oh, Benny Love. <laughs> Everybody knows him. Everybody knows him. But now you have this unique opportunity, especially with your past. 20 years gone, it's still your past, where you say, yeah, I did all that stuff. That's right. I own it. I did it. But look what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's why I opened up to you. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you my story, and I'm not going to hide anything because that's what made me. If it wasn't for those bad times, like I say, unfortunately for me, but fortunately for you, if you're going to listen, because you don't have to go down my right, my, my route. You made the mistake already. Yeah. I, Nobody else does. I cried alone. You know, I lost my relationship with my daughter for a little while with my son. I lost all my finances. I had to start all over. I lost everything. And I cried alone. And I was deep, deep, deep inside to the point where I used to see people die. And, and I'd say they're so lucky. <laughs> They don't have to deal with this. And I, and then now that I'm doing better, I say, 
I think back and I say, they probably didn't want to die. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm thinking they're lucky that they died. I'm putting them in my situation. I just didn't die in time, you know? <laughs> when, but, you, when you approach kids now and you see, you see, I mean, you have an eye for it because you were there and you see them going down that path that you took. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give them? So, all right. I see a guy at a gas station one day. He asked me for money. I said, like, right, I'm going to give you money, but you got to hear my story. So he goes, all right, you wanted my money. You didn't give a fuck. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I'll take it personal. He's on drugs. He's on heroin. He's in his 30s. I said, I'm, I'm going to wish something on you. He said, why? And he probably throws this to the sun. I said, I, I hope you go to jail. I wish jail on you. So he looked at me like I was a dick, right? So I said, look, the only way what I'm telling you, the only way it's going to make sense is if you go to jail. Because right now you just want my money. and You want to get high. If you go to jail, think about this. If you want to do better. When you come home, pick a trade. Let's say painting. I use painting as an example. You don't know how to paint? He said, no. I said, all right. You're going to go to a painting company. You're going to say, I need, you need a job. They're not going to hire you because you look like shit and you're a bum. You're going to say to him, I don't need your money. Just give me lunch. Right? And work for this guy for free. People who work in these businesses, they all fuck up. They don't show up. Something happens. If you showed up every day for free, you know he's going to give you that guy's job. Right? Then you're going to tell him, I'm going to work 10 hours, not eight. Two hours are for me. I need you to show me something for two hours. Right? Now on your days off, people are going to start trusting you. Remember, keep sleeping in the street. You're a bum. You got nothing to lose. Me, if if I did that right now, I'll lose everything I have. You got nothing to lose. I'm not I'm not saying that you're a bum in a bad way, but you're homeless. You're, you're on drugs. You're all fucked up. Keep that fucking bum mentality. What's getting you by at night to wake up in the morning and ask me for money today? Keep that, but add work to it. Because eventually, if you listen to what I'm telling you, you're going to have side jobs. Then you're going to be able to create a company. And then you're going to be able to pass that along. Yeah. You're giving people. You got nothing to lose. Uh, you're giving people a roadmap for a life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could give you a game changer. I'm not going to hide it. Oh, go do this. No, <clears throat> listen, you're fucked up in the game. I want you to go to jail because the only way he's going to sink in is if you have that time and you want to get out and you don't want to come back. <sighs> That's it. Benny, you got an amazing story. <laughs> you're an amazing person. You really are. And, um, I, Butch, I, I really do appreciate you bringing Benny here when we did your show. Cause I, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to bring him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be with me. He'd be with it's, it's not like, yeah, Butch, no, it's I not like Butch, Butch needs a bodyguard or anything. I love my little brother. Yeah, I love Butch, you know what I, you know what I like? You know what I like when you first sat down with us in Butch's episode, <clears throat> your face, stoic, stone cold. Yeah. And then as the episode started going on, I saw it changing. I saw your face changing. And then I see you walk in here today and it was, it, it's like a totally different person. Well, it's funny. I was sitting in there doing something when they were, when they walked in and all I hear is like, Mike, where are you? He's come out there, he had a big <laughs> smile on his face, give me a big yeah. hug and all that. You guys, you guys opened that door. You know, you showed me that, you know, you guys are good people, you know. And that, that's why he wasn't talking in the beginning. He didn't trust us the first time. <laughs> yeah, you don't trust nobody. <laughs> I, don't, exactly. Exactly. I don't blame anybody. Again, somebody on your side of the law when you were younger, mm-hmm. I don't blame them for not. I don't hold any grudges. And it ain't even the law. Don't take it like it's the law because I have cops I love and I protect. And during the time I was in the street. You know, I protected some of the cops. I made sure they were good on the street because just because you're a cop doesn't mean you're comfortable in the hood. Mm. All right. You may be more uncomfortable than I am. All right. Because after you lose, you know, after you after you get out of work, now you're a civilian. And when you're out in the clubs, you know, like liners, shooters back in there, whatever the clubs were. Mm. If I'm there, I control the club. I control the flow. Okay. You're comfortable. If, if somebody gets out of hand, 
I nod my head. You don't listen. You you get out. You're gonna have a problem. Yeah. So it happened a lot because I got along with cops. It, it, it the cops. Are, it's not even a cop thing. It's a people thing. Because if I don't get along with you, I'm gonna make you uncomfortable. I'm I'm black or white. I don't have to be nice to anybody. Mm. If that's how I feel outside of here, like you know, hey, listen, I'm nice to people because I want to be. You know, I get, I deal with people because I want to. I don't need anybody. I'm better off a loner. I'm a loner that knows a lot of people. Mm. I interact with a lot of people, but I'm really a loner because I got to concentrate a lot. I'm a business, you know, I'm not, mm. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm not a person. I'm a business. So Benny Love is, I walk into a place. When, it's a when, brand. It's a brand. Yes. I use it as a brand. I bought a Bentley and parked it in front of Port of Spain because all the officials from the city used to drink at the bar. And I used to go there, eat a paella, say hello, because I knew one day I was going to be out of the street. And I wanted them to know my face when I walked in the building department. I always showed them love and respect because we were from the town or I knew their kids. So I made sure. And if I didn't know you and I was saying hi to somebody, you know what? I make sure that I brush you so I can say I'm sorry. I like that. It was yeah. premeditated. Mm. I like that. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. And it worked for me. It's making yourself seen. And that's yeah. that's sort of making like making yourself a, noticed, I should uh, say. Yeah. Making yourself noticed. Yeah. It's a way to have a warm introduction. Yeah, and I park yeah. a Bentley outside with my name on it or BMW or my whatever car I had. It was always on the corner. Land Rover. My name, Land Rover with my name on it. <laughs> and that way when you walk out, oh look at this fucking guy, you know. You're not hiding no more. No. If you're hiding, I you're didn't hiding. hide then. I didn't hide then. <laughs> I it's got Benny on the front yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, Benny, I really do appreciate you. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure, man. Coming in here. Where really? where can we find you? I know we gave out your social media last time. Where can we find you? So um, I'm working on my new social media page for real estate, Benny Love Realty. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually, you know, within a week or two, you'll have that in order. Go Postal with Benny Love is like my fun page that I play around with. Benny Love Cars and Equity is when we do our, our runs, you know, on mm-hmm. IG. Um, you know, I want to put together... Now, I want to start doing some more. I want to die a philanthropist. So my goal now in life is to become wealthy so that Benny, I... Benny, you got to tell him what philanthropist means. I know what that means. <laughs> I'm not it's from... not a dinosaur. Okay? I just want to tell you. It's not the cousin of the Velociraptor. My, my, my <laughs> Drew, Drew, are we done yet? I've about had it with this guy. <laughs> so just, just to sum it up. My my goal in life now is to... I love what I do with the real estate. Mm-hmm. Um I love the field house because, you know, I attack with the families and I do all these things. You know, there's so much more to my story, you know, to go on and on with the things that I did to get to this point. It wasn't all negative. Uh, when things got better, you know what? I, I became who I am now, this Benny Love. And this Benny Love, uh, you know, I donate money to the church. Um, I spend time with kids and do all these things. But I'm going to die a philanthropist. I'm going to die a wealthy man. You're going to uh, die with a better legacy than somebody who was die. slinging drugs. Yeah, because you know what? The, the, the drug thing, I think that people will appreciate what I did as a drug dealer <laughs> because I did it to change my life, my family, and your life, and your kids. Because a man like me is not afraid to live or die. I want to die living, and I'm going to die giving. And I'm going to die expressing myself because I didn't have the proper role models. So my role models were drug dealers and killers. What would I be other than that? You know, CEO of a company? No, they, they didn't even know. You're the type of guy that I would want to introduce my kids to. Thank you. You want to know why? Mm. Because you've seen the other side. Yeah. You know the other side. And you're not on the other side. You're actually 
so far away from the other side that you're almost on polar opposite ends. And I can express myself about the other side and not be not be ashamed, mm. not have to feel a certain way to expose my truth, um, my pain. You know, I told, like I said, I cried. I cried as a man. The man people respected that pounds his chest and would fight anybody went home and cried by himself because I couldn't figure it out. Mm. You know, that, that's, a, that's like a great line, though. I don't want to live dying. I want to die living. How many people, right? How many rock stars died in their 30s, but people still know yeah. them today? How many people lived to 100 years and they never lived? We say that all the time. Mike and I had our careers cut short because of a shooting. Mm. When you have a lot of cops who do 25 years, get the big retirement party, the gold watch and everything, and never did shit. Mm. Where we didn't get that. Mm. But I'm more proud of, of the things that I've done as a cop. I can lift my head up and look myself in the mirror, just like you can look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Now, Benny, we're coming to the end of this thing here. And you've, you, there's just so much to you that you've learned throughout everything. You've gone through some really bad, bad times. What do you think the suffering has taught you? The, the, the suffering has taught me to not want to suffer again, to become calculated, to become uh, premeditated, to, you know, write my day down before, to, to live with different expectations, to, to, to look at magazines I wasn't, you know, to, supposed to look at, to eardrop. Like in, Playboy? <laughs> like those men? <laughs> no. But, you know, like, again, I referenced the DuPont and the Rob yeah. Report, you know, because they showed me islands and watches and names and shit that I never even heard about in the hood, right? But the suffering taught me, you know, I had a great mom, man. I heard my mother cry because she couldn't take care of her kids, you know, not run away. You know, I had a, I had a mother that wouldn't let me stay in one on and we were homeless because we got burned out. And my sister staying in. No, we're staying together. We'll all stay there tomorrow. She taught us that unity. That's, that's your strength. that's your rock. My mother's my rock. My that's mother's still rock. with me today at the field house and my pops. You know, I call him my pops. Carlos, he's great. So the suffering taught me to teach people to not suffer mm. because I suffered because I didn't know. If there were other routes that I would have took, I would have everybody suffers yeah. some way, somehow. But it would have been on level two, not level ten. Well, thank God everybody suffered because we'd never have the suffering podcast if nobody suffered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one thing. It's, 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 change the name. it's like being a funeral director. You're always going to have business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Benny, this is, this is eye-opening. Yeah, it's it's inspiring. Thank you. Okay. Thank and, you. And some, some of our episodes aren't as inspiring as others. Butch's yours was inspiring. Yours, you're equally is inspiring. Well, I told you at the end of your episode, I mean, both of you guys are great guys. You really are. Thank and you. you're, and, and our real. reason, our reason for living is to give life now. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. well, speaking of giving right life. Here. Yeah. That's what we're getting to. So we're speaking of giving life. Our friend, Butch Sanchez, you're still in need of a kidney. Yes. All right. We're going yeah, to reach out to every, we're going to reach out to every Avenue, every corner of the it. earth. That we're we going to get, go. get, 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 get it done. We're going to get it. And it's funny, too, talk about how this podcast reaches people. Remember, I put you in the touch with someone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy um, was trying to help me, but he says, look, you're already on the list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm on St. Bonavis, which I got to go next week. Yeah, so someone someone called me and said, I saw the episode. The guy's looking for a kidney here. Have him call this doctor. He's head of, like, yeah. you know, he takes care he of does all big surgeries. Yeah. Yeah, get so get right organs with Benny Love. Before, There's your new business. Before, there you go. before we go, can I add something? Absolutely. You can have whatever I, you when want. When I move forward, right, and I started doing the right thing, 
you know, these are just people that I need to acknowledge in my growth because they taught me things that I said to myself and I said to God, why did I meet them now that I lost everything? And they're teaching me so much. Can't keep anything now. It's like a smack in the face. But fast forward, their lessons taught me a lot. You're always in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, it's weird because I'm like, I'm like God, now? Like, why, why now? Like, I needed them last year, you know, two years ago. <sighs> and I used to say to God, like, all right, you know what? Maybe I got a thousand bad days, right? So when you count your numbers forward, it feels like you got to count a thousand forward, right? So I was like 999, 998. I brought it closer to me, right? And during that time, I met a gentleman called Puppy Raya, right? And I used to call myself, without knowing him, the Puppy Raya of the Hood. Right what's, when I started doing my real estate, what's Popey Rare? That's he's a, a, he's a, a person, yeah, he's okay. a person. Right through him, I met Kenny O'Neill. When I was a kid, I grew up with the Skiaras, Joe and Mike, and they taught me values, right? That I didn't listen to, like the Santiago that I didn't listen to until I picked up later on, and all of those things, like those people like that, that taught me all of these little bits and pieces, mm. and people that I met through them, right, taught me so much. One of his friends talked really bad about me one day on speaker. Poopy took the phone and he said, oh, Benny took care of oh, that fucking thug. Why you fucking bother with that motherfucker and this and that? That night I saw the guy at the coach house and everybody, you know, shook my hand. Or whatever. He went to shake my hand. I shook his hand. I said, listen, let's go in the parking lot so we can fight. And then we'll come back. <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, no, no, Ben, you know what? I'm sorry. I said, I heard what you said. You know, let's just go. We'll come back and eat. You know, one of his friends the next day called me over, David Anthony. I'll never forget this. He said, Benny. You come so far, and I see where you're going. You don't want to be the tough guy. Leave that shit in the fucking you don't leave that shit in the hood. He said, "We're all gonna fuck you, and we're all gonna talk about you some way, somehow that you're not gonna like." But if I'm scared that you're gonna hear about it, I'm never gonna do business with you. And with me, you could grow. Mm. And if I'm scared that I may do something the wrong way, even though it's right but you're the tough guy in the crew and you're going to smack me, you'll never get that opportunity. All you're doing now is just putting that Rubik's Cube together. Yeah, so I started. You, that yeah. you've been working on for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So He's I started. about a turn or two away from completing yeah. that Rubik's Cube. Yeah, no, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny O'Neill, like I said, Puppy, Karen, like Joe, Mike, Skiara, like those guys, Butch. Like I, I, put, I put them all now. I make, you know, I make them all. I make them all my role models in my head, right? And I pick these pieces and these words and I look at the attitudes and how they walk, how they talk, how they do things, you know? And the, the thing with Puppy, like, I never, I didn't know who he was, but I knew he owned a lot of real estate. So it's like somebody saying, oh, I'm going to be Donald Trump, right? Mm. So I like, yeah, I'm going to be the Puppy Ray of the Hood. I'm going to start buying real estate. You know, I didn't know who this guy was. One day he goes to me, yo, Benny Love, come here. I want to talk to you. <laughs> the guy, you know, everybody knows him. We're at the feast. Pulls me over. He goes, I want to talk to you. You're the guy that, did. yeah. I said, but you're not talking to that guy. He goes, who am I talking to? I said, you're talking to a businessman and a family man. He goes, I did everything you probably heard and maybe more, but I'm not that guy. He goes, really? And from that day, family. Yeah. Puppy Rea, about 40 years ago, bought a school building in Hoboken. Yeah. The, the, Turned it into condos. He lives there. He lives in his home room. <laughs> in his home room. Yeah. Uh -huh. cool. He lives in his home room. 
Benny, this has been great. I really do appreciate you guys coming in once again. Benny, you're all, we're welcome back here anytime. Thank you. Anytime. You got something to promote, you throw it our way. We'll promote it for you. Thank and you. you're welcome to the Grand Saloon on December 21st. Yeah, yeah, also. yeah. That'd be nice. No, they were already there. Oh, they were already there. Oh, they were already there. We had a great time. That was a good time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, great yeah, food. It was we had great. This <laughs> you remember was that, excellent. Remember that, remember that thing that happened? Oh, okay. so, so much fun. We'll talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. As always, let's talk about what we learned today. You got to fight every day. A lion will always be a lion. Can't hold on. You can't hold it in. There's power in reality. Your name and reputation is everything, but most importantly, lead by example. That's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. Don't forget, check out Popple. Go to popple.com, put in TSP20 for a 20% discount. You can always listen on Sundays before you watch on Mondays. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Fillets. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And, of course, follow the Suffering Podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode. 